Voices of Hope is a podcast of New Hope Presbyterian Church in Castle Rock, Colorado. New Hope is a church that puts people first. Our Sunday worship is on site and online at 9.30 a.m. And you can listen to our sermons and podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and any popular podcast platforms. This week we had a special joint service with Well of Hope ELCA Church. And Pastor Nick, the Well of Hope pastor, brought us the sermon for Epiphany. Our first reading from Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 6. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth, the thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and the glory of the Lord will appear over you. Nations shall come to your light and rulers to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look around. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from far away and your daughters shall be carried on their nurses' arms. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and rejoice because the abundance of the sea shall be brought to you and the wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you, the young camels of Midian and Ephah, all those of Sheba shall come. They shall bring you gold and frankincense and shall proclaim the praise of the Lord. Word of God, word of light. Thanks be to God. The Gospel according to St. Luke, the second chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who has born, been born King of the Jews? For we observed the star in the east and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all of Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod secretly called for the Magi and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen in the east, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child and his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated.
Grace, peace, and mercy are yours from the triune God. Amen. The Feast of Epiphany is one of my favorite days in the whole church calendar. What an absolutely wild story. Someone could preach like four or five different sermons on this one text. I won't, don't worry. But I could. Because this text is so deep and rich, I don't know if you notice, but it's kind of different from the nativity story that we get in Luke. It's different than John, and you know Mark doesn't really have anything at all. It just starts with Jesus as an adult. That doesn't mean that one is wrong and one is right, but like, paint, like a painting that you look at from different parts of the gallery to really see it, or like four different people trying to explain some unexplainable event like God coming down to earth, the writer of Matthew has a little different view than the other Gospels, and it's showing and revealing different characteristics about who God is. Matthew is doing something unique. And the difference is something that we should all pay attention to. Because here in Matthew, God is so unexpected, hidden, and even subversive. That it's not even the Jewish scribes that recognize Jesus is coming. It's astronomers from Persia, people from a whole other religion. I mean, here are these wise people, magi, coming into the seat of all Jewish knowledge, Jerusalem, and telling them something they apparently didn't know or hadn't paid attention to yet that is actually about them. That's not only unexpected, it's kind of funny. <laughs> I mean, just imagine being King Herod. Put your imagination caps on. He is the most powerful political figure in the area. He builds roads. He rebuilds the Jewish temple. He manages the wealth of a nation. He works for the Roman Empire, for goodness sake. He has the power to end people's life whenever he wants. And sometimes he does. He is a political figure that we might call an authoritarian or a strong man in our modern era. And by all accounts, Herod is just a huge narcissist that will protect his power at all costs. And here comes these travelers from a faraway place, bringing gifts, looking for the leader of the Jewish people, maybe hoping to gain favor with that leader. And you know he thinks they are coming to kiss his ring. And they say, hi there, um, we need directions. We're looking for the most powerful person around. I guess you might call him the king of the Jews or something. And he's like halfway standing up in his chair and walking towards them, ready to get those gifts from them. And then, nope, it's not you. <laughs> Is there anybody else? <laughs> Matthew's got jokes, you know. <laughs> it's funny. Herod thinks he is the most powerful leader around and that his 
court is the most wise and influential that the world spins because he allows it to spin. And then these strangers come in and essentially say, someone new has come to power. And they will now be the king. They will be the most influential. Not Herod. And it surprises everybody. That's funny. (laughs) This story is absolutely funny. It's showing that Herod is not that powerful. Despite his power and the violence that he has to lash out, he looks clownish. His power is empty. Comedy, it would seem, has a way of showing how things really are sometimes, doesn't it? Despite his building the temple and aqueducts and roads and all that, despite his power to order around legions of Roman soldiers, he is not the one with real power here, and he is not going to be king forever. What an absolute awesome way to welcome Epiphany which is all about revealing truth. Showing forth is what epiphany actually means. And you know we talk a lot about how this visit from the Magi reveals Jesus as the king, and that's true. But epiphany reveals a lot about who we are too, doesn't it? Now, I have been thinking a lot about Herod, But I've also been thinking a lot about how sometimes we villainize people and what that does for us. And don't get me wrong, Herod is a really bad guy. He kills his wife, his kids, and sets all sorts of soldiers out to go murder every boy under the age of two when the Magi don't tell him where Jesus is. He sounds like a villain from like a comic book, like bad. Or worse, which is convenient because villainizing someone is a really good way to remove ourselves from the equation. We, you and I, we can never be as bad as Herod. I hope. We don't have that much power, but, you know. He is a power-hungry ruler who will stop at nothing to keep what is his. But something that really struck me this week when I was looking at the text, because it's a lot harder to get off the hook with this one. (laughs) Who else was there? Who else was afraid of Jesus' coming? It says all of Jerusalem was afraid with him. We skip over that part. All of Jerusalem, as in all the people with power and privilege in this religious structure, that means the learned, the community leaders, maybe, the powerful people with degrees, maybe, the people who sit on boards and committees, possibly. They are also afraid of this news that these outsiders are bringing in. Something is happening, and the text says that they are terrified. 
It is not just Herod that is at fault. He is just the face of the problem. If the power structures are shaken up, and if it's not Herod who's going to try and stop Jesus, or if he fails, he does. Those same systems of power and control will surface and try and stop Jesus another way. That's just how it works. We know this. In this situation, it's a religious institution, the temple authorities, right? But maybe in our modern day situation, it's the church. Maybe it's our places of work. Maybe it's a criminal justice system. Maybe it's something else. Hate, fear, ways that the culture terms something as good or bad, systems of violence and control have a hold on us as people. And those systems, no matter how horrible, do not like being disturbed. And they work hard to silence people who wish to do so. Just look at what happens to Jesus. This specific religious system, even crucify him after Herod actually does fail to silence him, this pesky Jesus character, the king of the Jews, actually continues to question and push against those systems. These people from the story who are all terrified, who are probably not that much different than you or I, try and silence him the same way Herod tries to silence him with violence and murder and fear. Because he starts to ask questions about who is in and who is out. Who is good? Who is worthy of love? And who deserves only shame? But so what, Pastor? What does that have to do with us? We were not there. And we certainly don't do what the Jewish leaders did to Jesus. It doesn't have anything to do with us. It has everything to do with us. Because just like all those powerful people in Jerusalem, violent systems of control and fear and hate still affect us today and have worked their way into every little thing that we do. Sometimes we call it racism or sexism, or ableism, or homophobia. Sometimes we call it workplace protocols. Sometimes we call it security measures. Sometimes we call it work ethic. Sometimes we shrug our shoulders and say, that's just the way it is. We might not realize it, but we live in these horrible and sneaky systems, don't we? They are the structures we live in. If we were fish, it would be the water that we swim in. And as soon as some of us with that power get asked to let go of some of it and to share that power, boy, do we have a tough time. It's true. And yet we still try and convince ourselves that someone else would do something like that, but never me. I would never. That's a Herod thing. Just to let you know, I'm including myself in this, right? 
For instance, I have this memory of my spouse confronting me about talking over some of my female friends at a party one time. I did it. It happened. Absolutely it did. No doubt about it. It wasn't intentional. I wish I hadn't, but I did. Somehow growing up as a little boy in America, no one called me out for talking over a girl. So as an adult, I did. That's a system. Now that wasn't easy to hear. And you better believe that my initial reaction was refusal and anger when that came up. But that memory is seared into my brain and now I get to work on it. It's an icky thing to think about. It's hard to be wrong. It's hard to imagine that we might have some patterns that we need to be exposed. That we need to see as a less than Jesus way to live. And that's tough to admit. That maybe we react and check our wallets when certain people walk down the street. Or we think maybe we might be a little bit better person than that person with the messy car or we make assumptions about who that person's partner is or wonder if maybe that person is lazy and that's why they're poor or assume that people that don't know English are just not that smart. Whatever it is for each of us, it's hard to reveal some of those tendencies in our lives to admit that maybe we operate with that same fear, the same system of control that makes Jerusalem afraid. Who knows what I'm talking about? We following? And there's some good news of Epiphany, though. There is good news here. Because we don't just learn about what not to do, like Herod. We don't learn how to just don't do what Herod does. And the religious institutions. That wouldn't be very helpful. God is not a wagging finger. The good news is that we have the Magi. The wise ones to help show a different way. Remember the Magi, they encounter this selfish power of Herod and they recognize it right away because it's the kind of earthly power that they are used to, the kind of power that rules with fear and lies and keeps the poor in check and the lowly quiet. For all we know, they might have experienced that power themselves. They must have some privilege. They are learned They can read a map and follow a star. They have power. They don't have to work every day. They can even go follow a star around, guys. They are carrying expensive gifts in a caravan of people. In any case, they recognize Herod's power because they already knew it, and we would recognize it too. It's how our world works. 
But they didn't come across the whole known world to welcome a king that was just like all the other rulers. They are expecting something different, something better. And so they continue on from Herod's palace and they go to Bethlehem. And they find Jesus and Mary, a child, and his mother of lowly means. And unlike the false alarm that they had with Herod, this was the one they were looking for. This is where the star stopped. The true king of Israel and his mother were in front of them. And we don't hear a lot about it, so maybe it was something in Mary's story something in who they were. Maybe she sang her song for them. Maybe Jesus glowed with divine presence. Maybe something in their dreams and in the stars had told them that the power that this child would bring into the world was the power of God. And it was different than the kind of power, the power that we are used to. A power that would have no end. They had finally found what they were looking for, the kind of power that would invite the whole world into something different and new and show the truth. That Herod's ways of fear and control were bankrupt and that a better way was coming that would free God's people. That is good news. What they encountered in this child was nothing short of love. It was a power found in vulnerability, kindness, and inclusion. So drastically different than Herod's fear, and it changed their lives forever. It was a kingship that would invite misfits, sinners, and poor people to be his court. Instead of armies of destruction, this king would heal and build up. Instead of a palace, the world would be his throne. Instead of a large hall, he would address people from a hillside. Instead of a throne, he would yield his power from a cross. His power would come through life and not the fear of death. That is what they searched for and that is what they found. It is where the star led them and they paid him homage, giving what was precious to them. And then instead of choosing the road back to Herod's kind of power, they returned home on a different road. A star had led them there, but instead of going back the way they came, they would now be led by a promise of life and joy of Jesus that would lead them from here on out. This epiphany Let us be a people who are exposing the powers of injustice in our own lives so that the power of Jesus' love and justice can show forth all around. Let us turn away from the roads of fear and hate and choose a new road, 
one full of Jesus's life-altering love. Amen. Thank you for listening to Voices of Hope. If you have enjoyed our podcast, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. If you want to know more about New Hope, you can subscribe to our weekly email newsletter, The Midweek Memo, by going to our website and signing up. Friends, may you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and may you go and love your neighbor as yourself. Go in peace.